Monday. It's August 15th, 2022. This is Get Smart Politics, and this is your political cheat sheet for this week. I'm Sarah, your host, and I'm here with the author of Get Smart Politics, Eric Boll. We are 12 weeks out from the November midterm elections and 27 months from the 2024 presidential election. We have three top stories for you, as always, and we're kicking it off with a story that's been um, all over the news the past week has been taking over everything, and you guessed it, it's the FBI's raid of Mar-a-Lago last week. Um, Eric, I know one of your suggestions is for us all to go and read the actual search warrant, which I did, very impressed with myself, and yeah. it takes no time to look it over. No, it's really worth taking a look at. I think it's always a good idea to see those original documents if you get a chance, because then you feel like you really get what people on the news are talking about. So definitely go take a look at it. Absolutely. And it's interesting to see. It's basically, you know, a little bit of legal jargon and then a huge list of what they want from Trump's residence. And it's documents like, a, you know, it's a list of boxes, basically like box number 15, box number 13. So I'm imagining the FBI um, agents coming out with these like bankers boxes, file boxes of just a huge number of papers with like the number 15 on it and a lot of the things we can't we don't know what's in them because they're highly classified and it says that in the list and then um some other things like there's something about the um uh roger stone's pardon documents or something like that so yeah it was a a pretty strange assortment of things that were listed but as the and the, the thing that's attached to the search warrant is like a receipt that they issued to the um to trump and his attorneys saying Here's the things that we took out of the house. And yeah, it's really just kind of a list of boxes. And it's amazing to me. Part of the reason I want you to, look, to take a look at it yourself is to see um, just how bland it is and the amount of speculation that we've heard of like what could be in the boxes. It's like, you know, Geraldo breaking into the vault and, you know, oh, who knows what might be in there. And who knows? Those paper, those boxes might be just full of, you know, a bunch of, uh, of greeting cards. We have no idea what's in them. But man, the speculation is is hot. Uh, everybody's thinking it could be just about anything. Yeah, and you included a list um, in the email today of some articles that just give uh, some different perspectives and some really good information about that. I encourage you all to go check that out. I spent probably 20 or 30 minutes today perusing those articles, and I thought it was just really fascinating because we're just really not sure, and we're kind of speculating, but yeah. it kind of goes over the timeline um, did Trump have a chance to return these things to um, the government before they came and raided it? You know, it's just like a lot of good information. Yeah. So. And, and the reason I did that, there's just so much rampant speculation right now. Exactly. I think we need to kind of cut through that a little bit and say, what do we actually know? And uh, what? How, how do these things work normally? And how does the law work on these things? Um, so definitely take a look at some of those if you have an opportunity today. What I'm interested in hearing about more in the story as it develops is how it's different from the Hillary Clinton email scandal. Yeah, and I think that as much as you hate to do this, it has to be intertwined with that. Um, The way that the Justice Department handles this is going to be held up against the way that they handled the Hillary Clinton situation. The two situations are on their face relatively similar. Mm -hmm. They both involve taking classified documents to a personal residence in an unsecured manner, you know, a place that they didn't belong. And how the government treats the two different um, parties 
is going to be uh, scrutinized heavily, and it is being scrutinized heavily. And frankly, even some of Trump's harshest critics have been pointing this out, that you can't treat them differently uh, unless there's a very, very good reason to do so. And that's why I was uh, going through some of the questions I've been asking, and the biggest ones to me are basically, is there something so bad in these emails that you they had almost no choice but to do a search and and had they also had the fbi and justice department done absolutely everything had they is this the absolute last resort they had they had tried everything else to get these back and if they didn't get them back it was going to be like the end of the world um it i don't get the impression so far that that's the situation and if that's the case then i think this is a real mistake by the fbi to be uh, treating Trump differently than they treated Hillary because they didn't go, you know, raid her house and take her thing, uh, her server out of her house on an unannounced, you know, warrant uh, search. They worked with her to get it back and it took forever, you know, drug out over forever. So um, if you treat the two differently, man, you're just asking for trouble politically. Yeah, and I agree. They should be treated exactly the same. No question. This and should not, not be saying, a political. This should not be a political issue. Yeah, that's not saying that Hillary was treated correctly. It, it, the point is, she came first, and then right. this Trump is now second. Well, however, you treated the first one, you ought to treat the second one the same. Yeah, but I think, and we'll find more out. But I think that they asked Trump to return those things, and he had actually signed something saying that he returned them. So and he didn't actually return them. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of details that come out. And I'm not sure if I can pass judgment yet on whether he was treated any differently than Hillary was. But this right. is all very important. And I and I want to stress that this should not be a political issue. And it's become one. And and I think my problem with this really is it's not really so much about um, the, the facts, the specific uh, papers that were in there, unless they were incredibly sensitive just the most sensitive thing you can even cook up in your imagination um then does that does does the sensitivity of these papers outweigh the damage to our political system that raiding a former president's home has uh, i just i think that it's got to be incredibly heavy on that side of the ledger to make it worth doing this and so far i haven't seen that so that's why I think that um, it's a political decision whether or not to go in and enforce a a, a subpoena, right, a, a warrant. They don't have to 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 do this. This was a choice made by the Justice Department, and I just think that they have not shown that they've met their burden uh, on that uh, that that political balance yet. Well, it's going to be divisive, and we'd love for you guys to weigh in. Eric has a poll in today's email. That's just a yes or no. Do you think that um, they should have searched Mar-a-Lago based on what you know right now? But if you have more thoughts, we would love to hear from you. Just send an email telling us what you think. Um, I, I'm really excited to see where everyone weighs in on yeah, this I think from a nerdy perspective. There's a million different opinions about this, so we'd certainly love to hear your perspective. So our second story this week is the special election in Alaska for the House. Um, they are putting a new system to the test called ranked choice vo voting. You may have heard about it because it's gaining popularity. And this is sort of a test case for the rest of the country. So Eric, explain a little bit about ranked choice choice voting. It's really, it's a tongue twister, ranked choice voting. Yeah, RCV, is... you can just call it RCV <laughs> if you want. I don't know that that's a lot better. 
So ranked choice voting is where you go into the voting booth and on the ballot are a list of candidates and you rank them top to bottom in the order that you prefer them. When they tally up all the first place votes, if nobody gets more than 50% of the vote, then they drop off the bottom candidate and reallocate the ballots to those people's second choices until somebody ends up with 50% or more of the vote. And the reason that this is important in Alaska is because Sarah Palin is running and under a normal election, she probably would have won outright because she has such high name recognition and she has a small but mighty group of followers. Right. She would win a plurality. That's what she did in the the primary. She got the highest number of votes of anybody in the primary. So under an ordinary system, yeah, she wasn't going to get up to 50 percent probably, but she got the biggest slice of the pie, which would usually make you win. But this ranked choice voting, it tries to get you to appeal to a broader group of the electorate rather than only like a small cult following that some politicians go for these days. They try to get to the the biggest group of extreme uh, people in their party rather than appealing to a broader coalition. Yeah, because here it's not only important. I mean, of course, it's most important for you to be ranked number one, but it's also kind of important to be ranked number two by voters. So you don't want to turn off as many voters. Yeah, Um, And I think that that's an important distinction in a lot of areas where we have these cult following um, candidates. Right. If you have, you know, a, a... 40% share, say, of the electorate that you know, they're just going to, you know, crawl over broken glass to vote for you. But everybody else just hates your guts. Then you're never going to get to 50%. And so you have to have some sort of uh, ability to appeal across the aisle, or at least across the spectrum to other people that are not as passionate as your core supporters. So Alaska is going to be the test case for us. And we're going to see how this is going to go and maybe roll it out in other parts of the country or not. It has its problems. It's very confusing. We have tried to record this about 15 times to try to boil it down to like a 30 minute or 30 second explanation. It's really hard. And I don't know that just regular everyday voters walking into the polls are going to really know what to do. I would imagine a lot of ballots coming back with just a number one marked. Yeah. And and it's okay to do that. But yeah, it's it's a very confusing system. And I think it's one of those things that sounds great once you understand it. And like, in theory, it makes sense. But in practice, is it going to really work? I guess we'll see tomorrow. So our third story is, and this has been totally covered up by all of the Trump news this week, but the Inflation Reduction Act actually passed both chambers of Congress. So tell me a little bit, remind me of what is in this bill. Right. So the bill is 730 pages. It it's raises, a light reading. Yeah, it's pretty thick stuff. So um, 730 pages, it's $790 billion in new revenue. That's tax increases and some changes to prescription drug um, uh, pricing. That uh, It saves Medicare uh, money, and that's why it raises money. And uh, it also has $485 billion of new expenditures in the bill. And that's in large part um, energy credits for green energy, Um, There's a bunch of provisions related to climate change and also um, some conservation measures and drought measures, drought mitigation. Uh, It's really a whole bunch of different things put together. So there's a lot in here, but the name is sort of misleading because a Penn Wharton School analysis found that it's not actually going to have a meaningful effect on inflation in the near term. They said it might reduce inflation by about 0.1% by the middle of the first decade. 
Yeah. So not a huge, like we're not going to see huge results on inflation here, but there are a ton of issues in this bill. Yeah. And the real big point of this bill is not to reduce inflation. The point of the bill is to get a little bit of what the Democrats wanted, but mainly to show their base that they can still do stuff and try to get them energized again to get out to the polls and reinstate them in office in in January um, because really they were up against a, a, a base that was disenchanted and feeling like they just couldn't get anything done. And this might give them a little juice to get back to the polls. It's kind of interesting because I know um, a lot of the um, people on the right say that this um, the Mar-a-Lago raid is sort of a, a ploy by Democrats to take Trump out of the race. But they if that's true, and it might be, I don't know, but they're kind of trounced on their own parade here and let the news coverage be completely dominated by that story instead of what they're actually getting done in Congress. So yeah. kind of interesting. They're stepping on their own toes, if that's true. That's what I was going to say. They're stepping on their own message here. And I, I always operate under the assumption that you should presume that people are just incompetent politically <laughs> rather than nefarious because um, it's more often than not the right, you know, the more accurate explanation. Um, I don't think that the left hand and the right hand were coordinating on their timing on this. And I think that sort of shows by the way that this all played out. Yeah. So we've got a couple of primaries uh, this week in Alaska. We already talked about the house race, but we've got the Senate race going on too. And Lisa Murkowski, the incumbent, is running for a fourth term, but President Trump has endorsed her opponent. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and Murkowski is kind of a moderate centrist Republican, and she was a thorn in the side for uh, former President Trump the whole time he was in office and has continued to uh, be sort of a, a pain to him as well after he got out. So he's been working hard to try to get her out of there. But again, this ranked choice voting system may end up saving her. We'll have to watch and see how it affects it. Speaking of a thorn in Trump's side, over in Wyoming, Liz Cheney is also running, and her primary is on Tuesday. Her challenger is almost certain to win. Right. Congresswoman Liz Cheney knows she's going to lose. It's just a question of by how much. And she's been going down swinging the last couple of weeks, issuing some ads just saying uh, exactly how she feels and um, not leaving any room for doubt as to how how... Un unhappy she is with President Trump and how she thinks she did the right thing by standing up against him. Well, we covered a lot this week. We would love to hear from you. Thoughts, comments, questions, let us know. We'll see you next week. 